We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And a very good evening and welcome to Talk Sport here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. We're live on 88.7 FM locally and across the globe on crkc.ie. Loads to come on the programme. We'll bring you details on that a little bit later. Our taxback.com text line is 086-353-7782. So if you want to agree with us, disagree with us, or anything in between, 086-353-7782 is the number if you want to give us a shout. But let's get straight into things and start with racing because there's an eight race card in Dundalk this evening and uh, we're joined by our ace tipster as always, Bear Scott. Bear, a very good evening to you. Good evening to you, Liam. Well, they're racing up there and I can just imagine having been up there a few times because it won't be well wrapped up there tonight. There'd be icicles coming out of your nose, Bear. Oh, there would, <laughs> that's for sure. I was looking at a couple of the earlier races and there are very few people around. I normally, you know, you'd have the the trainers or the jockeys that's for sure and the handlers you know but they're, mm. they're, they're definitely all staying indoors tonight as much as they can wise man but anyway they kicked off their lame at 3.55 and the first race was won by number one Primo Uomo 9 to 1 second was number 3 Ecclesiastical 14 to 1 and third was number 2 Dandy Spurs at 11 to 8 favours and 11 runs the 4.30 was won by number 7, Raphael, 5-4 to four favourite. Second was number 6, that was Point Rees at 25-1. to one. And third was number 2, coming through 7-4 to four and 13 ran. The 5 o'clock, this was won by number 6, just brilliant, 11-4 to favourite. Second was number 4, could be good, 9-2. to two. And third was number 15, Ranger Bob. At 33 to 1 and 14 rand. The 530, this went to number 4, Irish Acclaim, 14 to 1. Second was number 6, Richard Nansen, at 13 to 2. And third was number 2, Who Are You Anyway, at 100 to 1. The 6 o'clock, this was won by number 4, Very Bank, the 11th day Now, I didn't get the placements there. You'll probably get them in, in just a few moments. Right, there's three races left up there. I just had a quick look at them. Now, I know you'd have to have an online account to get a bet on, but there are plenty of people have them. The 630 is a handicap over two miles. There are just uh, 12 runners here, and uh, Joseph O'Brien has three of these. That's number one, Grandmaster Flash, number two, Tonkinese, and number 11, Scholastic. Um, Scholastic is likely to start favourite here. He's been running... Um, He's had a few runs on the flat in recent times, but he's also been running in juvenile herds, and he certainly shouldn't want for fitness. Having said that, Joseph O'Brien's horses are notably not running that well over the Christmas. I don't know if he had a success at all, but 
Uh, anyway, there's always time for a change. But I just think number 10, make the switch. This one has also been running over herds and had a recent win at the track here in Dundalk just before Christmas. Went well that night. And I think, you know, it might be around a four to one chance. I would take a chance on number 10, make the switch winning that. The seven o'clock was the first division of a handicap over a mile and a quarter. The last two races tonight, division one, division two, 14 runners in the seven o'clock. Tricky looking race for sure. It's hard to know what even would be favoured here, but I think number 10, Gormanstown, would probably show favour. Uh, a couple to note, number two, Belgo Prince from the Tony Martin stable. He's been running well in recent times and would have a chance. I'd have to mention New Vocation, which I was over talking about in the old year there, but he didn't do me any fair but he won. We weren't on air, but anyway, not to worry. Latchet, number eight, formerly with Jim Boulder as a horse that's well handicapped here and would have a chance. Gormanstown, of course, we said would probably be favoured. And down at the bottom, number 14, Luna Star, who had a win on the course uh, just, I think, about two years back, but also would have a little bit of a squeak. Uh, I think Belgo Prince, number two, is the one I'd chance an hour euro each way on. Finally, the 7.30. This is um, the second division of that handicap, and it's, it's really tricky. It's worse than the first division, I think. Starlight Red, number six, who's been running well in recent times and has the champion jockey Colin Keane in the saddle rode this one the last time and the fact that he takes them out again he must fancy his chances uh, Batala number two and I mentioned Lucky Phil number three a big outsider but has been catching the eye now and then over fences would you believe he would have a little bit of a squeak here also but I think they want to have the money on the starlight rain OK Baron the first post-mortem will be on sport after noon tomorrow afternoon um, yeah, I, sh- I should just mention Liam while, while you mention sport tomorrow and that there is no racing in Ireland tomorrow the meeting scheduled for Fairy House tomorrow has been cancelled due to a frozen course yeah no real surprise there Burr I think no that's for sure um, your friend Sharjah the horse uh, Willie Mullins has been talking about him during the week and uh, he's fairly optimistic going into the Irish champion hurdle in a couple of weeks time and then into the beyond then with Sharjah yeah. um, a fairly inconsistent horse as well you know well look the Irish champion hurdle will be running in Leperstown which is Sharjah's favourite course you know he has a wonderful record there and to be the, opposi- the opposition will be tough but look, he, he has as good a chance as any. And mm. I still think, you know, he's a class horse. He finished second in the champion hurl in Cheltenham last year. Things have never really panned out for him in Cheltenham, name. But if he got, uh, you know, if he turned up on one of his good days and got things in his favour, Georgia has as good a chance in the champion hurl as anybody. Yeah. You're keeping the fates all. Oh, in keeping the fate, <laughs> never lose faith in him. <laughs> <laughs> um, just switching codes bear Mick McCarthy his tenure out in uh, Nicosia has come to an end after just nine matches uh, I think yeah. even uh, Mick McCarthy doubters would have thought he would have lasted a bit longer I think they would but look the man I feel sorry for is Jack Horn there mm. I mean I'm sure because Mick was the reason he went over there and you know maybe I don't know what's going to happen to him but I just feel sorry for him but look I'm sure there's a story behind Mick's sack and that we'll, we've yet to hear you know yeah, well, Bear, there'll be more on that, I'm sure, on sport after 12 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. But exactly. thanks a lot for taking the call and stay warm. It's freezing out. Yeah.
Thank you. Thank you very <laughs> much. Bear Scott there with the racing results. Uh, Nicky, uh, I'm sure Mick McCarthy's not a happy camper. Well, maybe he is with the payoff. We're not sure. Well, I don't know, but I think that's not even the point, Liam. I think, uh, in fairness in this case, the guy was in, what, was it nine games or something he had? Yeah. I, I just don't understand these people at all. I mean, what do they expect? Is there any chance they might look at the players that they had there? Or how does this uh, John uh, Jack Borden sure. guy feel about it? But I think it's a lot of nonsense. I think that they've had, I don't know, they've 15 managers in God knows how many mm. periods of time. He probably should have realised that that's the sort of people he's dealing with, you know? I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy what's going on there. Um, closer to home, a text in from friend of the programme, Jim Rohn. He says hello to us all and he asks, is there any news when the league uh, championships are coming back and when they're being drawn? So, Nicky, you're the man for that. Any update on when we'll get any sort of white smoke in regards to local championships? Well, the county board meeting is on Monday night. <coughs> mm. So, But I, I, I doubt it really because at this stage... We know the inter-county scene is starting first, so the the club scene is not going to ha- is not going to happen. What you'll see, all right, is I think you'll see that the draws for the um, what we used to call the Burden Cup and the Albert Cup and the uh, all county junior, the junior, uh, the, the county leagues and all mm-hmm. that. I think you might see those being put together, so at least to get some order on fixtures. But but apart from that. Uh, I don't know now unless uh, unless Pat Tracy knows more about it than uh, than any of the rest of us do. You, Pat. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping your cards close to your chest. Ah, uh, Pat, it, it, we had such a great local championship this year and it, it feels like such a long wait now for a bit of action again. Yeah, and uh, I suppose, look, it was, uh, um, I think it was kind of practical that the, the last year's inter-county championship would roll on and uh, you're into this year again and uh, the, the, if you like, the pre, the, there was only a break for Christmas so a lot of the pre-season and all that kind of thing was done and... Uh, Look, the, I suppose the county board and the rest will organise the um, county leagues and all that sort of thing and we'll all get going around Patrick's Day and uh, stay going until we're out of the championship. Yeah, and I know we live in a COVID world, Nicky, but the league, the inter-county Alliance League is not that far away in the grand scheme of things. Could this be the best league in many respects because the championship of last year is so nearby? Every possibility, Liam, at the moment. We know that the counties are not going to go back into train as far as we know now at the moment until the beginning of February. But I think given the way things are at the moment, you just cannot be sure. Mm. There is a possibility that the start of the league might go out from the end of February, perhaps up to the middle of March. Now that possibly will have a knock-on effect. I mean, to the 24th, 23rd, 24th, 25th of July is when the first club action, what we call the serious club action, kicks in here in Kilkenny. Now that may have to go back a week or two depending on what's happening. So given, given where we are this year, and obviously our following on from last year, we have to expect that there could be some uh, some adjustments in terms of where things start. But uh, the inter-county scene will be going ahead. Right now, if it does go ahead, uh, I think it will be a case of, as it was last year in the uh, championship, there will be no supporters going in for some time. And perhaps after a while, they'll gradually maybe build up the support. Now, that all depends on how quickly the vaccine is rolled out and how quickly numbers are, are reduced. And mm. I, I don't think there would be an appetite in the country for, um, for another lockdown that we would uh, have this one then free up things and then have another one again. I, I just don't think there'd be any appetite for that. So I, I think this time the government might, given what uh, Varadkar has been talking about, where he's talking about business to be closing until March. So if, if that is the case, clearly they're, uh, I suspect they're balancing the, the vaccine uh, output uh, with, with, with all of that to try to get their timeline right. But look, Patrick is right. It'll be, you'll probably see some sort of club action, I would say, in Kilkenny in terms of the um, the the non-championship competitions I'd say from Ron Patrick's day on 
Okay, right, and uh, we'll dissect that a little bit further with Greg Bally College Chairman Dave O'Neill and the lads a little bit later about how this inter-county club season is going to look a little bit later in 2021. Um, quite a time for live sport but there is some action taking place this weekend um, FA Cup this evening a very weakened Aston Villa take on Liverpool at Villa Park in the third round of the FA Cup a team that will feature mostly under 23s and under 18s and not even their manager Dean Smith will be in attendance there and his assistants won't, assistants won't be either so it will be a very unusual looking Aston Villa team that takes to the field this evening that's a 7.40 kick off lucky for Liverpool Liam the winner playing at the moment they probably are only capable I know you're Liverpool or your mm. lads but they the, the weather played at the moment they're probably only capable of beating the uh, Aston Villa in the 23s yeah true there's a point there alright but I don't think um, Jurgen Klopp has shown the FA Cup much respect over the past couple of years so um, we haven't got official team news yet but I'd imagine when that team comes out in the next half an hour it won't be the strongest Liverpool team you'll see either no, but he probably has also to remember that he has a little matter of a 7-0 to atone for when the last time... 7-2, Nicky. There was two goals for Liverpool there. Oh. Don't forget the two. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry, Pat. We have to give this young lad a hard time every now and again. Yeah, Pat, it's, you're unusual quiet. Whenever Liverpool come up in a conversation, you're in with a few digs. Actually, I feel sorry for Liverpool. Oh, right. so many injuries and all the rest are not able to put their best team out on the, on, on the field and that and they've uh, created so many chances and not scored them you know they, were, they should have won the last two two out of the last three games anyway but uh, anyway that's that's the way it goes but I, I told you a long time ago that uh, Liverpool wouldn't be as good as they were last season and no. uh, other teams would be better so it's just going to be a lot harder Well it's a more normal season I think whoever wins it this year would probably finish with 80 something points which is the norm but uh, look, you can't you can't get perfection the whole time. But yeah, well, Manchester United are getting a few penalties that you got last year, so <laughs> that's the way. It's, Jurgen uh, Klopp was very <laughs> quick to point it out after the Southampton game. But anyway, um, we have one more game in the FA Cup this evening at quarter to eight. It's Wolves taking on Crystal Palace, and it's a very busy weekend of action tomorrow and Sunday. And we'll have updates on music and sport. Um, if you're following the snooker, well, the Masters starts on Sunday. That features the top sixteen players in snooker. Uh, just a couple of the selected games we've picked out. Judd Trump takes on uh, David Gilbert it's Neil Robertson against Yang Bing Tao Mark Selby takes on Stephen Maguire and it's Ronnie O'Sullivan versus Ding Zhonghui Golf returns also this weekend with the Century Tournament of Champions. They're into day two with Harrison English and Justin Thomas both tied for the lead on eight under par and they tee off at 22-11 this evening. And uh, I know a friend of the programme, Jamie Maloney, was often on a Saturday afternoon trying to convert us to the world of the NFL. He failed miserably, but if you're staying up late this weekend, the playoffs get underway. The Buffalo Bills are at the Indianapolis Colts. That's a tongue twister. The Seattle Seahawks take on the LA Rams and Washington take on the Tampa Bay Buffalo and ears and for all you those of you out there with cauliflower ears who follow the Guinness Pro 14 the interprovincial derbies uh, 7.35 this evening it's Leinster taking on Ulster uh, that pressure on Leinster in that one is only the pool winners make the four, uh, the Guinness Pro 14 this year and, and Ulster have an advantage in that conference so Leinster with it all to do while tomorrow at 5.15 the Dragons take on the Ospreys two hours later just over two hours later at 7.35 Connacht take on Munster Johan van Grand's men are eight points clear of Connacht in that conference while at 25 to 8 tomorrow evening it's the Cardiff Blues against the Scarlets and Liam is that uh, Tampa Bay um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they're Tom Brady's uh, new team now yeah they? they are yeah I see where you're the your man from the, the, the last team he was with who he was with uh, the new Patriots Patriots was that I think yeah, mm. yeah Bill, Billy Check, the coach 
he, I saw him on the sideline and he was uh, he, he had a water bottle in his hand I, I won't even tell listeners what he actually did with the water bottle he was he was in such bad form because they had a, a big loss it was the first time not to be in the playoff stages for a long long time so a lot of people are saying now was the reason they were in the playoffs because it was Tom Brady rather than Bilicek so yeah. uh, that's, that, that cuts sore at the likes of Bilicek who would be seen as one of the, the, the most significant coaches in any sport in the world Ah Pat it can't be that big of a deal to squirt a water bottle I'm sure that was done on many a GA sideline <laughs> Actually, you, you can't kick a water bottle or now with their, it's so PC but yeah. um, there's a great book out about the New England Patriots and uh, Tom Brady and Milicek and uh, their uh, their dominance over the last uh, 10 years since he was there so um, to, if anyone is into it it's uh, well worth reading Talking about water bottles actually in my time in officialdom I actually suspended every Fitz one time for throwing a water bottle at a Lions man at a colleges game Oh, that's your. <laughs> You're <laughs> a brave man. You, you can you can uh, tune into the late late tonight and uh, answer that about uh, all your bullying tactics. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> Debbie is on the late late tonight. There's been a there's been an ongoing problem down in Clare where social media has been. Uh, apart from Debbie, his father Pat, who I know very well, he's the county secretary down there. They've been the subject of horrid abuse, and uh, yes, it would be no harm if whoever was doing this uh, were were caught and dealt with. And mm-hmm. and hopefully there will be because um, we've had instances of it. Uh, during the week where a Garda was was, uh, was treated badly in social media and in fact wearing a different hat here I was doing one of the programmes recently on the Kilkenny Today programme and I spoke to this uh, this woman whose daughter had uh, done something well the way she was treated on social media and the new law is out now called Coco's Law which allows people to be um, to be summons if they're, if, they're, if they're seen to be abusing people on social media so it's not before it's time Yeah, okay, right well, don't miss that Late Late Show tonight Davy Fitzgerald featuring uh, We're changing tack completely after this short break will be, well, Jack Byrne obviously making the move to Applewell Nicosia another man that made a move to somewhat unusual circum- to somewhat unusual leagues New Zealand and Poland to be exact is Eric Malloy and we'll get his story after this break Do stay with us Our taxback.com text line is 86 We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You are in tune with Community Radio, Kilkenny City and Kilkenny's only dedicated sports programme between 6 and 7 on a Friday evening. 086-353-7782 is the text number and that's kindly sponsored by taxback.com. Now, a man I'm delighted to be joined on the line by is Eric Malloy, a much-travelled soccer player. He's been to New Zealand, Poland and everywhere in between. Eric, a very good evening to you. Yes, hello, Liam. How are you doing? Not too bad. So, you're at Bohemians at the moment, I think, Eric, but uh, your footballing career is taking you to all sorts of places. Oh, yeah, no, it definitely has, yeah. It's been a, an unusual journey, all right. Hmm. Um, I started off, I suppose, with Wexford um, Youth. That's what they were called at the time. I think they've changed to Wexford FC now. And um, played a few seasons at Wexford, um, and we ended up winning the league, uh, the first division and going into the Premier Division which was a great achievement and um, yeah that year then I decided to to, to leave Ireland to um, New Zealand mm. And how unusual was that for Eric or how different was it because you hear of plenty of lads going over to England to try and uh, make a career in football but New Zealand and Poland countries like that they're not as uh, synonymous with football No definitely not I think they're a little bit underrated Yes, As I mentioned I went a different road most people go across and they're very young I um, decided to go down the route of going to college here in Ireland and playing League of Ireland, getting uh, minutes and matches under my belt, you know, and then, yeah, decided to, to venture somewhere new, which was New Zealand, and 
yeah, I feel they're underrated over there. Like the um, different style of football, different way of playing. Um, I learned so much from my travels over there. Yeah, how how did that move come about, uh, Eric? Um, well, I was playing um, university football, and one of my managers over the university teams, um, the Irish university team, uh, got got a job in a club in New Zealand, and he was looking for some players, and he kind of gave me a call and said there was an opportunity here and I, and I just couldn't really say no one of them opportunities that you, you just have to go and do you know I, I thought I'd be back within you know once the season finished within five or six months I'd be back home in Ireland didn't think I'd stay three years mm. over there yeah and that the fact that you thought it would be short term did that make the move maybe less dramatic if you like maybe not as much uh, convincing to the family was that a big deal to you or was it a case of you're young you wanted to play football off I go I think it was a mixture of both I didn't really think too much about it and it came about pretty quick and I just thought it was an opportunity to just go ahead and do it and I thought I'd be back soon so I didn't really think too much about it but then mm. yeah also I was young and I was like this is the opportunity to do it so yeah, when Paul O'Reilly rang and, and said there was an opportunity out here, I was you know, very eager to go and, and learn new things and, and try to play uh, football in a new country. Yeah. And yeah, I did, I did that and I, I, think, I feel I did very well. I ended up um, doing really well, I think, the first season with Paul and I ended up moving over to Team Wellington, which is one of the, the top sides in New Zealand. And uh, we ended up winning um, runners-up in the league twice. We lost the final each year and then... Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a different format than here. Well, yeah, we lost the final two years, and then we we qualified for the Champions League and ended up winning our group stages and winning the the Oceanic Champions League, <laughs> which then qualified us for the FIFA Club World Cup. Yeah, and that that's a huge experience, and obviously the winners of the Champions League play in that competition as well. So you're really playing against top quality opposition there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like. Um, the, that's why I say like some of the teams in, in New Zealand would be underrated um, but some of the footballers and the standard of football that we played was incredible like it was very professional and um, yeah the, some of the the way we were treated at the FIFA Club World Cup was the top top of the top you know there's, there's, the world eyes are kind of on, on you and on them matches yeah and is the style of football much different over there? oh definitely like uh, it's a little bit hotter than here and uh, mm like 26 30 degrees some of the games so it's more like um passing style of football um yeah very methodical like uh, more about spaces and gaps very technical but i'd say more here in ireland it'd be more physical and stronger fitter you know yeah and um not only did you play in new zealand but you also went off to poland of all places and correct me with the pronunciation on this if you like but stomel ulstersign is that right Stomel Austin. Austin, close enough. Like okay. going to Poland again, another not the strongest league in the world either. How, like, what possessed you to go there? Um, yeah, I think it was to, to learn new things and, and try and um, yeah, go to a country where, where I, I felt like no one would really know you and see have I learned much and see am I am I able to play um, at a professional level. Uh, even though I was playing in New Zealand, the standard was uh, very good um, from my old team. It was everything was done professional, from the analysis to our recovery to our training loads to what we did off the field. Uh, like the club helped us very much with everything. Like it was very professional. And then uh, we didn't have the tag of professional football, but literally it basically was. And I wanted to be a professional, 
So mm. when the opportunity came about to, to play in Poland, I was like, yeah, I think this is the time in my uh, career to turn professional. And um, even if I had various different offers and stuff, I just thought Poland would be... Um, I just thought it was going to be like a, a fantastic opportunity because when I went over there, just the club, the facilities, the way the people were treating me and stuff, everything about it just said yes. Yeah, and like moving to a place like uh, Poland, again, the football is very, very different, I'm sure. But you probably got a first glance at why the Polish team now internationally is doing so well and, you know, qualifying for major tournaments. I'm sure there was plenty of talent. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Poland's a big country and they take their uh, football very seriously. Like, it's, it's the number one sport there. Well, in Ireland, you have if the likes of the GAA uh, competing against rugby and then soccer as well. You know, you've different competitions so numbers would be taken away and we're a relatively small country in Ireland in Poland like the, the, the main sport is soccer and they take it very seriously they have like uh, three two professional leagues anyway if not a third you know and we, mm. we don't even have a professional league yeah. in Ireland you know mm. like uh, some of our teams in our top division are, are semi-pro like um, we have a text in here from Benjamin he's a friend of the programme from the Isle of Luce and he says it's great to hear you on the programme so praise for you there Erica um, we've seen uh, in the past couple of days Jack Byrne moving to Apple and Nicosia obviously Mick McCarthy is no longer there with him um, does a move like that surprise you when Irish players make w- make that uh, sort of transition and would you recommend it because you know outside of England you, you don't certainly in, maybe in less um, footballing circles or people on the on the outside you don't see a lot of pushing to go to these countries would you recommend that um well first of all i want to say appreciate benji for messaging in it's very nice of him but yeah no uh definitely i would recommend for um younger players to, to at least have a think about it as an option um because it's going to set you up with, um for if you wanted to go to england or if you wanted to get into a club like going somewhere first time round, you might make a lot of mistakes and then them mistakes in football can be very ruthless and it can mean you, you miss out on a contract and you can you can all left not getting that contract so then you kind of have to go somewhere else and you're nearly um, thinking what do you do with yourself well if you go to say somewhere else or somewhere different you know you, you, you probably have a better chance of getting in and playing like England would be such saturated such amount of numbers wanting to get in and get into teams that like if you go to somewhere a little bit different you actually um Get, can get minutes, can get playing, you can feel better, you can start improving. And I think that's one of the key points is that wherever you go or whatever club you're thinking of getting into, I find it's very important that you're you're constantly improving and mm. uh, looking to get better. Yeah. And have you, you come, have you come home now and uh, is it a transition into coaching? Um, well, that's something I would be thinking about, but not necessarily. I really love playing and I'm... Mm. I've been training a lot since I uh, came home myself. Um, I've been doing runs. I have some weights and stuff in the shed that I've been doing. I'm doing lots of flexibility work, and I have a little patch out in the back garden and stuff where I can do a little ball work and, and work on some of my skills. I have a wall close by too that I can use, and then I do some long runs in, in different tempos. So like, I'm not. I'm very much uh, concentrating on playing, and I'm in very good shape. And I want to. I want to keep playing. Yeah. It's just at the minute, you know, with COVID and stuff like that, it's been very difficult. Um, you know, clubs are very reluctant to get players in kind of at the minute and stuff because if one lad gets test positive and he's close to other lads, it could be three or four lads out of a group. Next minute, the manager has them players to pick, you know, and they're, they're very wary of bringing in lads and having a look at lads. 
So I, I, in my point, I, I'd be trying to get into a club now when a league is starting up, when everyone's fresh. And looking at it now, that's, that's what the League of Ireland is, is um, starting back up very soon. I think it's being pushed back now an extra month into March because of the COVID and the extra surges in cases. But uh, um, I feel like that that would be something I would really be interested in right now. Um, before you, you put me into the coaching bracket just yet. But it would, mm. coaching would be something I'd be interested in in another few years, definitely. Yeah, but you're, you're certainly keeping your doors open in coaching and playing as well. Nothing's off the table. Oh, no, nothing, nothing's off the table. I'd like to have myself available for whatever opportunity comes, right, comes around. Uh, I definitely think it's something to think about. Like It's also good that if you're playing football to have a, maybe a little bit of a coaching role in some aspects with maybe younger players or something because that will help you maybe the transition from when you start finishing football to go into maybe coaching also but it's also keeping your brain active and thinking about football as you're playing so it's going to hopefully help you on the field as well as off the field but yeah I'm definitely like available and um, actively looking um, for a new club at the minute yeah. Well, Eric, I'm sure there'll be no problems with you finding the club. It's been great to speak to you. It's been quite a journey. You've been to all corners of the globe and the career is far from over. Really appreciate you taking the call. No worries. Thank you very much, Liam. No problem. Take care, Eric. Thanks a lot for joining us. That's Eric Malloy there. He's involved. Uh, well, he's been involved everywhere. Featured for Southern United and Wellington in New Zealand and uh, played for Stomel Osterson in Poland, no less. So that's Eric and we wish him well with his journey. Pat, um, uh, if you can hear me there, he, I heard stories of you being a, quite a prolific uh, player for Thomastown United back in your day. Did the offers of going anywhere else ever come come to you? Uh, no, I, I, uh, yeah, I played with uh, Thomastown United. I remember playing Empha one day, and uh, we lost fifteen five. 15-5? Yeah, yeah. No defending there. Uh, no, it was all out attack. <laughs> so that real rock and roll Jurgen Klopp football you'd fit into that Liverpool team is what yeah, you're saying I, I think it convinced Empha to go up to the senior grade after that uh, the, that uh, even though that was only youth football at the time and uh, I remember playing uh, who else the one or two others as well but anyway he used to play in uh, what was known as Cowdung Park in Thomastown <laughs> a very exotic name right <laughs> uh, Nicky you played a bit of soccer yourself oh god yeah oh yeah I was a uh Handy enough ahead. <laughs> and you weren't afraid of a challenge? Oh, God, no, not at all. No. <laughs> See, when, when England won the World Cup in 66, there was a bit of a, a hype over here in Ireland, and a lot of the team started up. So, obviously, uh, when the hurling got more serious, from my perspective, in the early 70s, mm. then I kind of petered out my time. But look, it's, a lot of parishes went through, went through a phase like that. I did say to you one night here that I played my first soccer game in Moscow. Yeah, but not the Moscow we know. No, the Moscow in this case was over around Crescent Yard direction. <laughs> just, just a bit of information for you. By the way, Pat Tracy is after sending us, uh, sending us a text. You'll like this one, Liam. Pat, do you want to call it out there? No, go on, I haven't it in front of me. Right, this is, uh, as you know, all the going now is inter-county players yeah. giving up and retiring in that. He's one from an awfully player. This is from a guy called Niall Geraghty. His name doesn't ring a bell with me now, but however... I'd like to announce my retirement from Offaly GA after two championship sub-appearances in 2014 and 15 and a handful in the league. The time is right to call it a day. Thank you to the fans for always standing by me. Literally, because I was on the bench on the terrace side. <laughs> that would be a good way to go into an ad break, Liam. Yeah, that's what you call grateful. Uh, when we come back after this break, we're turning to Gaelic Games. 
We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And we're here till 7 o'clock, 086-353-7782 is the text number that's kindly sponsored by taxback.com. Now, delighted to be joined in the studio by Greg Ballycallan, Chairman Dave O'Neill. Evening to you, Dave. Evening, Liam. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. Um, COVID-19 and its difficulties, it's been discussed many a time over the past nine months, and I'm sure you're no different out there. No, I mean, it's, I suppose... It's a worldwide issue at this stage, you know, it's a global pandemic and uh, it's a lot of challenges, you know, to the whole community uh, at large and, um, you know, GA clubs, no different to anybody else or any any sporting organisation or voluntary mm-hmm. organisation. I suppose everybody has been affected by it. And But look, you know, we're fortunate enough to get a championship last year and um, the Intercounty Championship as well. And, um, you know, there was a lot of great credit due to an awful lot of volunteers on the ground because normally at the start of the year you're looking for selectors and kit people and Mm. secretaries and treasurers and people to be involved in the club but last year we had to go find what was a new concept for us all every club in the country and voluntary organisation was COVID officers so we were blessed there as well to have a lot of people step up to the plate and to ensure that the facilities and you know that the players you know there was support there and the players were looked after as well so there was great credit due to those people as well yeah and great to have the games but it was very hard on volunteers to have to turn people away you touched on the COVID officers there and you know the blanket ban on supporters that's very difficult isn't it because you know GA people want to see GA games at the end of the day well they do at the end of the well sure that's that, that's 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 something that's a great thing but look you know we are living in unprecedented well we're living in very difficult times but it's not unprecedented generations before us Live through challenging times. Mm. Um, you take a hundred years ago in this country, there was a war of independence going on. Fifty, sixty years ago, there was the emergency, and there was different. Like there's always been challenges. Um, yeah. We're blessed, though, at the end of the day, that we have modern technology. Uh, we were fortunate to secure the services of Eddie Hughes, and we, you know we were we broadcast all our games um, free to the supporters. Uh, they were live streamed. Uh, so look, you know, you, you have to, it's very easy at the moment to find the negatives at the moment. There's so many negatives. Mm. But the positives is, at the end of the day, we do have modern technology. And, you know, we were able to facilitate the supporters. And there was an, more, an awful lot of games were broadcast live or recorded. So look, people got to see the games last year. Maybe, you know, I suppose sport is a social outing. Everyone yeah. wants to pack the bags, head off for a game, or maybe go on to a second game. That didn't happen this year. But look, who know, you know, hopefully as the year goes by, people may we may get people back into stadiums and you know on the sideline. Mm. And the positive being as well that many older people who wouldn't have been able to go to the games anyway got the chance to see it in their own sitting room. Well, they did, and you know we have a a great picture in the club. It was actually featured on the um, on the Kilkenny yearbook this year. Uh, mm. Our um, Club stalwart um, Simon Clear, um, synonymous with Greg Billy Callan, played with Kilkenny in the fifties. Um, there was a great picture taken of Simon um, sitting in bed. He wasn't well at the time, and he, his daughter Roshan had the um, the laptop up on his lap, and he was watching one of our games. And Simon sadly passed away just before Christmas, but uh, he he still got to see the game. And you know, as you said there, maybe. In different circumstances, he wouldn't have got out to see that game mm. last year. So, look, we, you know, I'd like to extend our deepest sympathy to the Clears 
um, family synonymous with the club but you know it was great to see Simon was able to see our game last yeah, year and likewise and we send on our condolences to the family um, the inter-county season this year and the club season of course it looks like it's inter-county until the end of July and club then uh, local and then at a national level until December firstly last year uh, fans aside and the circumstances on the outside of the GA world aside the actual calendar what did you make of that? well I mean the, the, the calendar last year uh, was different last January and then it's it morphed into something mm. totally different. I mean, last year was the the third year of that, um, you know, the the, the the idea where you had the April window and the clubs were gone then again until the August, September. That, that was the calendar. That that system then has now become obsolete because it had a three-year spell and COVID hit then in March and the leagues were cancelled and, we, you know, we got mm. back onto the field, clubs did, and then the inter-county scene. And... You know, it's coming up at Congress now soon that there's... Uh, it's now looking like a split season, um, whereby in future inter-county games will go up until the middle of July and then club games will run from the middle of July until, well, October, November, if you qualify for the club championships. Mm. And you were here on a TC Tires World of Gaelic Games last year sometime and the, the whole, the clubs being second-class citizen was the real vibe from the conversation and not getting fair treatment although it's done probably for the wrong reasons and not for the reasons that we would all like as GA people this the split season and having them all conduced together the inter-county and the club together is that a positive is that what you would have wanted absolutely hmm. absolutely I mean it's as it, as it is yeah I mean at the end of the day that's what's happened and uh, you know it's it's great look it's great to see that uh, look the whole concept of players going back in February tra train until April and then down in tools until August that was just not sustainable and that's mm. thankfully that's run its course um, and now we have something different I suppose I'm a traditionalist as well I suppose I've always had this unbelievable appreciation in Kilkenny for the way the structure was where the two club and inter-county season ran in tandem but you have to accept in the modern game that that's more than that's not feasible anymore and a lot of the reason it's not feasible is, is not necessarily because of uh, hurling, the hurling competition. It's more to do with football. Uh, let's call a spade a spade. Football is played in the 32 counties in Ireland, it's played in New York, it's played in London. So it just. We, I think we've arrived at. A, at, a, at um, we've arrived with a, a new system that is the most feasible. Yeah. And, you know, inter county will finish early. I mean, the traditionalists will still say the 1st of September, but it it just doesn't look like that that's ever going to return. And a, a split season now um, worked last year. Uh, altogether, you know, we have to factor in that both seasons were shorter, but hopefully this year there'll be much more time. And it looks like that's the way forward. It's to be agreed a at Congress this year, and I think it'll probably pass unanimously. Nicky, is this the way to go? Because I know you've had concerns maybe about it from a commercial point of view and broadcasters covering GA. Well, look, Liam, I think it's probably inevitable. And in the current climate, anyway, there was no choice. That's the first thing I would say. I also think that it's... Look, this is, it's, it's good to see this tried, anyway. If this is going to be the permanent arrangement, and it may very well be... Well, it is going to... Let's forget about the fact that we may not have people attending inter-county matches, certainly in the league, and hopefully for the championship to be OK. But in a way, just keep that out of the equation and let's just assume that we will have crowds at matches. 
it, it does it does mean that of course that from the middle of July on you're not going to see much GA coverage in the national media you'll get the Monday coverage of the games but after that they're going to be competing with uh, the soccer season starting the rugby season the European Cup and all of that starting and, and various other events next year of course or this year now I should say you have the Olympics assuming they go ahead so there are potential challenges there and we, we shouldn't we shouldn't ignore them but probably what has happened though was uh, was inevitable uh, to be if I'm if I'm being honest about it um, and I'm not unhappy to see it happening but I think the jury is out on it in my mind a little bit for a year or two to see how it's going and it, it, it may go grand and I, and I hope it does but there's an issue for our clubs here in Kilkenny again this year is a bad example with the way Covid is but our serious competitions were not they're scheduled to start on the 23rd, 4th and 5th of July so before that we'll have the uh, these league competitions where if we're truthful about it clubs have uh, really shown scant interest so there's a bit of an onus on clubs now to at least make some effort about the competitions in the first uh, in the first half of the year and um, of course if there is uh, if, if there's going to be uh, a to put some interest in it otherwise you're going to see lads going off and playing other sports in the first half of the year that's what my worry would be but look I'm glad it's happening in a way and let's see what comes out of it yeah Dave I, in fairness to Nicky to give him credit there he's, that's a point he's always brought up and I suppose in terms of that secondary competition the Bourne Cup Aylward Cup the different ta- names excuse me <coughs> um, I think now Nicky I understand and you've had that point and you've made that point for a number of years I think under the new system, there was always a tradition in Kilkenny where teams went back training on the 1st of February. There seemed to be this kind of thing of oh, everyone was back the 1st of February. Um, that, that's going to get pushed back now. I mean, Les might be doing some individual work, but I don't think that 1st of February early start date will, 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 will continue. It'll be more like maybe the 1st of April. And I think that does give a focus for those competitions in that that's your challenge matches they're your they're, they're the games lads will use to get fit for July there's, so one other, there's one other thing as well and I don't know now obviously this, this is peculiar to Kilkenny other counties as well but let's only think about Kilkenny if the serious club competition starts 23rd, 24th, 25th of July as is envisaged in the, in the overall GA calendar I'd be keen to know when Kilkenny GA will be looking to play the junior A, B, C, D and E I would hate to think that the players playing junior A, B, C, D and E, and they're the majority of our club players, if we're honest, are their competitions expected to be completed? And I'm talking about championships and all, because players in that level, very few of them would be involved in, in inter-county scene, a bit maybe in my, in under, and won't be playing under 17, maybe under 20. But are those games expected to be completely finished, those competitions, by the beginning of July? If that was the case, I'd have a bit of an issue, because then then the, those club players are going to be finished with everything, unless they happen to be good enough to be on the club's first team for the second half of the year. I don't know the answer to that yet, but I'm, I'm posing a question, and nobody, in fairness here, will be able to answer it. Um, Pat, to bring you in on it, um, from a simple point of view, going to club games in the sun on a nice evening, it's it's attractive to both supporters and club players alike, and it's I think it's simple. It's as simple as that in many ways. Yeah, it is, and uh, also I think the you know the clubs. Uh, it's probably a more natural thing to be starting uh, maybe around Patrick's Day, and uh, the evenings will be getting longer uh, ten days later, and uh, you're you're into a more natural hurling uh, kind of a season, and uh, you get ready then to to play in August, uh, and play the championship in August, and look, the championship the championship is going to be uh, that uh, kind of a sprint from now on. Uh, it'll start in August, and it'll be finished 
finished in the sort of 10 weeks type of thing anyway so um, that's uh, that's going to be the natural run of things and uh, I think uh, people will respond to it and clubs will respond to it uh, very well and I think they will use the secondary competitions to get themselves in shape and get a bit of momentum uh, going for August yeah, Dave, is there anything you feel we could do about those secondary competitions? Because they have been disrespected for many years by many clubs, arguably. Is there anything maybe to spice them up, if you like, make them more attractive to clubs? Look, I, that's that's been tried. And I think uh, a very good friend of mine, Willie Blanchfield, always said to me, what's the most important thing you do as a selector today of a Bourne Cup match or an Aylmer Cup match? And I said to him one day, what's that, Willie? He said, count to 15. So, you know, at the end of the day, we were all looking over our shoulders. You know, a team could be out in the county final in November with 30 lads, and in, in the summertime, lads had work, maybe cutting silage if you were rural-based parishes. So there was scant regard, and Nicky has brought that point up, and he's 100% right, and has been 100% right for about 10 years. I don't think you need to do that anymore. I think Pat has hit the nail in the head there. People now will need that, those competitions. But Nicky has also raised a great point, and it's going to be a problem, and Pat would know from Danes Fort, because they qualified for the, I think it was the Junior C and won the Junior C last year, we qualified for the Junior A final. And Danes Fort, okay, Danes Fort and ourselves locked horns at the end of the year, but, you know, Pat might want to speak on that, because trying, and Nicky has brought up the point, trying to run the two competitions side by side, it was very, very hard for particularly country clubs, whereby you're going to have a crossover from both panels. Mm. So Nicky is 100% right to raise that concern. It is an issue because these are condensed seasons. We're calling them, you know what I mean, they're, they are, they're not being run in tandem anymore. So the, the season is condensed. So once the your first team, shall we call them your first team, start playing, they're going to be playing, you know, I think it's, did I count it recently, is it 14 weeks? And you could have nine mat sorry, t 11 matches to win a county final. So it's, it, there is going to be discussions as to how it's going to be run. And maybe the first year, maybe not, there'll be teething problems. But, you know, Pat could speak on it as well. But from a country team trying to run two teams uh, in a condensed season, that is definitely going to be an issue. Something got to give, Pat? Yeah, it will be, and, and there's plenty of the clubs now that have three teams. And while the third team might be the, mightn't be as serious as as the other two, it's it does it, the logistics of it is is difficult enough, and uh, you know, and uh, even um, I suppose pitches and all that kind of thing. So um, definitely, it uh, the the there will be a sort of a pressure period on clubs uh, the way the, the the seasons are going to be panning out. Yeah, and if we change things up to supporters going to games, and obviously the figures are very, very bleak at the moment, they're not looking good, but down the line, if things do improve and we're trying to get back to some sort of normality, Dave O'Neill, if you were in the position of power, how would you get supporters back into grounds in a safe manner and a gradual manner, if you like? Well, I think the experience of the last... OK, if you take from the second lockdown, which was October, um, in the end of October... Look, it, it <laughs> figures are seriously concerning at the moment, mm. and the only way you're going to keep the numbers down is to is to reduce your personal contacts. So people going to matches is going to be a problem. We've seen in the last six, to, well, eight weeks now, where we had a lockdown, we came out, and then people were moving around again, and now it's spiraled, and we're back, we're worse than where we were. Yeah. So. 
at this stage, I think people have bigger fish to fry. We have technology. We can stream games, right? People, my point at the moment is, our, the issue for the country at the moment isn't people going to games. The, the issue is education and employment. That's that's something we can discuss later in the year. But, you know, if we're ever to get out of the problem we're in, we need to reduce our personal context. So mm. I think it's a... Leave that for a while. I mean, I, we have the technology to stream games. We should be encouraged to do it. And let's hold tough on that thing. I wouldn't be getting excited about that for the moment. Yeah, Nicky, is there any danger of games being in trouble? I know the government were very adamant on playing games last year during the initial lockdowns. Are GA games safe? Are they always going to be put in the same category as elite sport? Uh, Inter-county games, Liam, I think, at an adult level will be OK, I think. Mm. And I, But they'll be, I don't see supporters coming for the foreseeable future. I think that's certainly going to be the case. As regards club games, I think there would be some difficulty there because it won't be easily police them. They could be policed when they were played in Nolan Park. We all saw that, but when it's outside Nolan Park, the policing drops. It's because it's just far more difficult. So I would say, it, you know, it, it, club games, I think, are, are probably a big question mark over it. But look, if we're not back, if we're not able to get back into action again by the, by sometime in the early part of March, I think this country will have a bigger problem beyond the, the GA anyway. Yeah. Pat, where do you see it all going GA-wise? Well, I, I don't think uh, this year is going to be much different to last year and uh, I think that uh, even club games could be pushed on a little bit further at the back end of the year. Uh, there's um, bound to be a, a slow start to the year and maybe even an odd postponement and that type of thing. So uh, I think it's going to be another difficult year for everyone. Yeah, most certainly. Well, we have to leave it there, Dave. Thanks very much for coming into us this evening. Uh, Dave O'Neill, Greg Ballycallan, Chairman. Thanks, Nicky and Pat as well. We're back with sport tomorrow at 12 o'clock and music and sport between 2 and 5. Do hope you can join us for that. Paul Brophy is on the way with Communities in Action. Until tomorrow, bye-bye, take care. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.